we would be doing the interview and they would just break down. And then, of course, I would, and I'd hear my camera crew going, you know, in the background. And sometimes after the interview, I'd, I'd say, oh my gosh, I'm not trying to take advantage of you. I didn't want to upset you. And they'd say, no, it's okay. This helped me. No one has asked me these questions before. Hey, everyone. It's Jana Panaritas, and you're listening to the AgeWise Podcast, where we give you strategies for aging well and wisely. And how do you do that when on top of scrambling to keep up with the demands of your own life, you're also caring for someone else in your life? Well, we're here to help. So stick around for some straight talk on aging in all its unpredictable glory. At the start of her documentary, The Weight of Honor, filmmaker Stephanie Selden Howard offers up two key facts. The first is that from 2001 to 2012, 2.8 million U.S. service members fought in Iraq and Afghanistan. The second key fact may be less well known. It's that there are 1.1 million family caregivers of post-9-11 veterans. For the families of these veterans, many who are catastrophically wounded, Their lives are transformed overnight as spouses and parents become 24-7 caregivers for their war-wounded loved ones. Stephanie joins us today from Los Angeles to talk about her film, The Weight of Honor, how and why she made it, and what the film reveals about the hidden costs of America's longest war. Executive producer, director, and writer Stephanie Howard, welcome to the AgeWise podcast. Thank you, Jana. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you very, very much. Well, you've been a broadcast news producer for 25 years. Folks who are listening may not know this about you, so I'm going to just brag on you here. You've produced specials, documentaries for CNN, Fox News, Reuters, as well as local television coverage for KNBC and KTTV in Los Angeles. What led you to make this film? I know it was filmed over the course of five years, but give us a sense of the origins of this film and why you chose to do it. As a documentary producer, and I... I worked on, actually I co-produced one documentary before this, and I was always on the lookout for another story. So I had gone to an event at a friend's house who has her own nonprofit helping wounded vets and met a lot of the really catastrophically wounded guys who had burns, amputations, and they had come to my part of Los Angeles to speak at schools, not to talk about their injuries so much, Mm -hmm. but their message was, look, it doesn't matter if you're different. That That isn't an issue, which really resonated with the junior high and high school students who were there because I had a, I know this because I had a son who was in junior high and a son who was at the high school. Hmm. And I saw firsthand how, yeah, it was, it was quite powerful. They also had an event with the city of Santa Clarita where they were honored. So about a week or two after that, I had coffee with this friend, and I said, you know, I know there's a story here. I know there's a documentary here. But not to take anything away from the guys, but I think those stories have been done. Mm -hmm. And I think they are being done. And she said, well, no one's done anything about the caregivers. And at first, being a civilian, I thought, well, you know, are you talking about the doctors and nurses? And she goes, no, 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 Mm -hmm. no. I'm talking about the families especially the wives and the mothers and, you know, the kids, the fathers, who are taking care of these guys when they come back severely wounded. And 
I hate to be trite, but the light bulb went on over my head, and mm-hmm. I said, here's the story. Here's the story. How hard was it to find caregivers and family members who would speak openly about their challenges? If you could talk about the process of finding these incredibly powerful uh, individuals that you interviewed. I'm not sure if people in your audience know, but the civilian community is fairly closed. Um, mm-hmm. It's difficult to identify who might be a military caregiver and then to find out if they're willing to let us into their home. They're very private. And what I did was, actually, I was on Facebook a lot, and I was researching and finding all these nonprofit groups and all of these leaders in the online community who were disseminating information for caregivers. And I was finding, just as you probably know about your audience, that a lot of the military caregivers were on Facebook at all hours of the day and night because Mm -hmm. who else is going to be up at 2 a.m. taking care of their wounded spouse or, Mm -hmm. you know, and you need to unload. And, okay, I know that there are other people out there who are also up and dealing with this, and that's what they did. So I contacted some of the people who were leaders in some of these groups and some of these nonprofits, and I said, look, here's the film I want to do. Can you direct me to someone? Can you think about it? Talk to them. And it took quite a while because what they had to do is either tell me, no, I don't know anyone, or they had to talk to people they knew who would agree to be on the film. And if you think about it, and I'm sure your audience does know this, it's it's really difficult to invite a camera crew in oh, yeah. to really pour your heart out on camera. I think when you can be a little more anonymous with just your voice right. and people aren't seeing what it's like in your house, it's maybe a little easier to do, maybe not a great deal. So what we found is the people who wanted to be in the film wanted to do it because they wanted the issue to be brought to the civilian audience. They wanted people to know what it was like to be a caregiver in a new marriage, most of them, Mm -hmm. or very young marriage, Mm -hmm. with small children or maybe infants, and trying to cope with things on that level, and also dealing with the paperwork and the red tape, that is the issue with the VA and the Department of Defense. Mm -hmm. You addressed that in a really, I would say, balanced way. But it must have been tempting to get kind of political about the flaws in the VA system. Let me go back to the beginning. You set up the premise of this film really great in the first, I would say, seven, seven and a half minutes. You have the caregivers, sound bites from the caregivers, the experts, the complications around being unprepared for this huge increase in the number of veterans returning. I thought one of the experts, Nathan Grazer, put it so brilliantly when he said, you know, we've, we've gotten really good at war, honestly, and we've been really good at saving people's lives. And one of the other experts, Carissa Tortolo. Yes, Tortolo. Tortolo. She talked about how for many of these injured vets who come back in their 20s, they've got 50 years ahead of them, and they have lifelong needs. So you started to find these folks on Facebook. How many caregivers did you interview before you found 
the five. You've got, um, right, five families here. Yeah. Take us through that process and how it unfolded for you as a filmmaker. Well, Jana, as you know, as a journalist, you can start at point A and end up all over the place, not in a straight line, and end up at Z. Mm-hmm. Because you need to follow the story. And originally, our first, the first interviews and people I identified were actually in the Kansas City area. Mm-hmm. And that was sort of a test for me, because I knew it was going to be a huge undertaking. And interviewed two of the families for the first time in the Kansas City area, really in Kansas. And um, that was the first part of that process. I must have, I went to San Antonio, I think, three times. We were in the Washington, D.C. area. We were in Kansas twice. We were several places in Southern California. And some of the families we ended up not using because either it didn't work as well on camera as we thought it would over the phone when I talked to them. Mm-hmm. They weren't as forthcoming uh-huh. with what they went through. They they kind of closed up when they saw us. Uh-huh. Uh, we went... I needed to determine, were people being honest with me? There was at least one family that I determined was not. Hmm. It was a drug situation, I found out later, hmm. which was really upsetting because we spent a lot of time with them. And then another family, hmm. really well into the process, decided they didn't want to participate anymore. Oh. And these things happen. Yeah. Uh, and then we get into the edit bay and we look at, okay, what's our storyline? And we call it down even more. Okay, we, we have this person and it's a really good interview, but is it really right there in what we're talking about? Mm-hmm. And so some of those things left in the edit bay. But when you talk about some of the issues, Nathan Grazer was just brilliant. And he's not only directs a whole unit at... USC, a Department of Social Work that deals ex- almost exclusively with military families, actually exclusively with military families. But Nathan also is a chaplain, and he was oh. active duty. And then after he retired from the military, he decided, well, there's something in me here that isn't finished, isn't complete. Mm. And he went into the National Guard as, and um, became a chaplain. Mm. And so he really knows where he's coming from uh, on all different levels. And Carissa Turtolo, Carissa Turtolo, is not only um, a director for the Wounded Warrior, Warrior Battalion, Wounded Warrior Battalion West, but she also is a caregiver. Oh. So you have people in who are maybe experts in the film, but they're coming from different places. And when they speak about the difficulties as far as numbers go as far as um, DOD and uh, Department of Defense and the VA not being prepared, they know what they're talking about from a personal point of view and also from a point of view as a professional. As far as avoiding and trying to be really careful with the political issues, Mm -hmm. early on I could see that the issues of what was going on with the Veterans Administration were just coming to light. Think about it. It was five years ago. And we were just finding out about how overwhelmed they were and people dying before they had appointments and things like that. And I could tell this was going to be a very fluid story. And it was a completely different story. And I wasn't going to be taking on that story. And frequently what I needed to do 
on so many levels is to keep reminding myself and reminding everyone else, including my editorial crew, my editor, mm-hmm. that this is about the caregivers. Mm-hmm. This is about the caregivers. It's not about the VA, and unless they do bring it up and they want to talk about it, um, right. it's not about the service members unless it's supporting what we're talking about with the caregivers. Mm-hmm. I had to do that, but you're right. It was very difficult politically to handle the fact that we do have issues and we do have difficulty in helping these people get the right care for their families and for their wounded service member, but I needed to avoid pointing fingers but because that's not what the story is. Right, and I think you did a really great job of that, and I was glad to see that you didn't overdo that because that could have been a really easy way to go. I think you did a really great job of putting that in context without overdoing it and keeping that balance between the experts being used to serve the larger story of the caregivers. I was I was really impressed by that. So for folks who haven't seen this, talk a little bit about some of the characters in the film. Some of the issues that they raise are issues that are universal among caregivers, but have such huge ramifications for caregivers of catastrophically wounded veterans. I think one of the things that is really something we need to think about is when we're talking about caregiving in this country, I think most people think of the elderly. Mm -hmm. They think of people who might have Alzheimer's or dementia and their children or their spouses need to step in and be caregivers. Mm -hmm. And that's a set of issues in itself. There's a universal issue of caregiving, but that carries its own emotional issues. And when we're talking about the caregiving for these military members who are just, you know, it could be emotional, it could be physical, it could be both. We are talking about really young families for the most part. And one of the caregivers was pregnant when she found out her husband was severely wounded and may not live. Mm -hmm. And that was really, really difficult. But how courageous of her that she was not going to give up. There was not one day that she didn't think he was going to make it. Now, in the film, when she tells us that, I think the enormity of that hits her. But they have gone on, and I'm talking about years of caring for him, and following the arc of their story, he's had to come back not only physically, as much as he can, because he lost a limb, had limb salvage on another one, and severe burns. But they have had two more children, Mm. and he's come back from a severe depression, like uh, where he couldn't get out of the house, didn't want to do anything, to finding a sport that really resonated for him. And he's taken on other athletic activities now. And what I have found out since is that he was very athletic before his injury. Mm -hmm. And so he's found a way to return to that. And that so enhanced their family life and so enhanced their marriage. I mean, obviously, they've had two more kids. Mm-hmm. But they're this young couple. They've known each other. Since they were 13, they were right? Yeah. yeah. And they just have smiles on their faces. And I follow her on Facebook. And she's always going to have to be struggling. She's always going to have to be helping him. He's always going to have issues 
You know, mm-hmm. all of these guys are just one step away from a severe infection. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. even if you have a prosthetic, that's not so easy, folks, if you have severe burns. Mm-hmm. And it's not so easy, period. But the rate of infections is really high. And they, they have to watch for that. Mm-hmm. And for all of these families, there might be some times when you're just sailing away and you think, okay, we found our groove and we're going to be able to do this. And then the unexpected happens, which happens in any family. But these are special circumstances in that you don't expect that your husband's going to, you know, go into a severe kidney infection and have to be back on bed rest for six months. Yeah, the stakes are so much higher. And there are little kids running around. Right. Maybe I'm jumping the gun a little bit on your questions, but I see the film as a way to sort of kickstart a really broad conversation about caregiving. I know that you're working very hard with this podcast to make people aware that these are the issues that caregivers face. But if we can kickstart the conversation with this film and say, look, it's all ages. It can go from very young, very young couples all the way to people who are elderly, then there's a conversation there that we can open up. And it is important that we tell people, look, there's this whole population of military caregivers, these families who are severely impacted, mm-hmm. but also what are they doing and what can we take from that and then apply to the rest of our lives. Mm-hmm. You did step into this area of, of the argument or conversation wherein Jim McDermott, the retired congressman from the state of Washington, talks about the fact that nobody really knows about war today because such a small percentage of the population is actually enlisted and there's this big disconnect. I do think that there is a particular need in this country for us to acknowledge, well, the weight of honor, as your film calls it among this population that we are willing to stand and salute and say thank you for your service to, and yet on the back end, as as Nathan Grazer points out, we've got to help them on the back end too. So for me, you're right, I agree that the elevating the conversation about caregiving in general is so important, or, or having this conversation in this country, but for me in particular, The way that military family members are affected is just so particular and it's so essential that we talk about this in a different way. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because as I said, they face a different set of circumstances. And also, they're reliant for their medical care on the U.S. government, maybe in a way that other families are not. Maybe they have private insurance. Yeah. It is a different set of circumstances. And... It is true. Only 1% of our population is serving or has served in post-9-11. Most of those people are, as you said, volunteers. And that's why we saw so many deployments. And I was really shocked when I would hear about someone being deployed two, three, four, five, sometimes six times. Uh And I remember when I was a kid during the Vietnam War, you finished your tour. And if you did a second tour, that was really unusual. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's the way I remember it. And a lot of this is because we just didn't have the people. We didn't have the service members, and they were sent back in. Right. And when you do that, you obviously really limit your odds of coming out in good shape. 
but that's why we're seeing so many people now. And we're going to start to see more and more injuries as we go along where uh, some of the service members start to show signs of traumatic brain injury because they were around so many of these explosions. Yeah. And gradually you'll see injuries because of all the equipment they carried, injuries into their back and their spine and their shoulders. Right. Those kinds of things. And I think, yes, this is a different set of circumstances. And as I've said before, these people are really young. If you are in a home and you're a little kid and your father has, say, a lot of seizures from having traumatic brain injury, and they're getting worse and worse and worse, plus he has PTSD and his emotions are all over the place. You're a little kid and you see him, you know, having a seizure, what are you going to think? When your situation is that you're the oldest child and you need to step up and really act as the mother in the household because your mom is spending seven, eight hours a day changing the bandages of, you know, your extremely burned father Mm -hmm. and you have to step up and you have to be responsible for the meals and driving your siblings and doing all of that, you know, are you going to have a normal high school experience? Are you going to go to the prom? Are you going to go to football games? Are you going to go to some of those things? Well, chances are slim. So what's going to happen to the next generation when they're adults and when they have kids? We have no idea. How is this going to impact on them? There are multiple issues that... I'm sure there are things we haven't even thought of that are going to be coming up. If you were a young family, if you're a young family and you're a spouse who is coping with all of these injuries and all of these changes and all of these things, you don't want to think about what else might be coming your way. You have to, as all caregivers, you have to take it day by day. Yeah. Stephanie, what was your sense of what the families want to come out of this film? Well, they told me specifically and... Several of the times, I think every time almost, we would be doing the interview and they would just break down. And then, of course, I would, and mm-hmm. I'd hear my camera crew going, you know, in the background. <laughs> and sometimes after the interview, I'd, I'd say, oh, my gosh, I'm not trying to take advantage of you. I didn't want to upset you. I didn't want to make you cry. I didn't want you to, to do this to you. And they'd say, no, it's okay. This, was, this helped me. No one has asked me these questions before. Hmm. So it became cathartic for them. And I would like to think that it helped them a little bit to get past things, to at least release that. And almost everyone says to me, either on camera or off camera, we just want recognition. Mm -hmm. We don't want a big band playing. We don't want a parade. We don't want any of that. But we don't want to stand next to our hero and be ignored. We're part of this equation. They would like that recognition. Also, I think from the stories I heard that we need to step up and help them. Now, they're not, they're very proud and they're very brave and they're not going to say, I need help with X, Y, Z. But I would hear things and see things. One woman was saying, oh, yeah, excuse the grass on my lawn. It's really, really long and it needs to be mowed and I don't know what happened to the kid down the street. He said he would be here every other week to mow the lawn, and I haven't seen him in over a month. I guess I'm going to have to get a lawnmower out and do it myself. Well, okay, so turn that around. If you know of a family 
be it a military family or any kind of family that needs caregiving, can you say on a regular basis, either you or with some friends, okay, your lawn will be mowed every two weeks. We're going to make sure of that. I mean, isn't that a nice thing that can be done? And I, I think a lot of them said, if someone could just watch my kids for an evening so my husband and I can go to a movie. Yeah. Little stuff like that. Little stuff. So I want to ask how the making of this film changed you and maybe your perception of the issues, if it did. Oh, wow. Big question. I don't come from a military family, so I went into this knowing absolutely nothing. And sometimes I think it helps. Well, it always is good for me because anytime I do any kind of story, I I like to learn. And I learned a lot. I learned, first of all, that this segment of our population exists. But I also saw how brave and courageous these people are and how patient they can be. And I guess if you have to do it, you're going to step up regardless. I know if my husband is sick for about two days, I think, I don't know how these women do it. You know, I'm, I'm hardly dealing with two days here. And I learned that. I learned, I'll tell this story quickly. About a year or so into it, I was with my dad and some of his friends. My dad was in the Korean War, but he was in the JAG Corps, so he didn't see action. But we were with some of his friends, and one of them, I think, is a pilot at that time. And after we had lunch, and I told him, told them, of course, about the film, he took me aside and he said, you know, I want you to be careful when you're doing this that you don't acquire some of your own PTSD. And I said, okay, we went on. And I think from being in the edit bay and seeing all this video, not only in person, but over and over, and seeing a lot of the emotion, I think it impacted me in some ways I didn't realize. We went to see the movie Dunkirk, for example, a while ago. And there are a lot of battle scenes. There are a lot of injuries. And, you know, when you go see it in Dolby in 75 millimeter, oh it's, boy. Pretty, <laughs> it's, not, it's really in your face. Yeah. And I thought, okay, this is a great movie. This was really cool. Well, we drove about, I don't know, half a mile home, and I just broke down crying. Mm. And my husband, Roger, who's also my co-producer, pulled over, and he said, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I said, I, I don't know. I don't think I can go to these movies for a while. Yeah. I don't think I can go to these movies anymore. And we both realized it has to do with how close I have become to the film. So that's one way it's impacted. Uh, Mm. I think more than anything, I've just been so inspired. And that's what I want the audience to feel, to come out of there with just this great sense of inspiration, not to say, oh, these poor people. We can have empathy and we can come out of there wanting to help and taking action, social action. But also, I want people to feel inspired. If Ashley can do this, maybe I can step up. And not that she has it worse than I do, but look at how courageous and and how much sense of humor they have and all of that. Can they inspire me? Can she inspire me to maybe take a different look at my circumstances? Great point. I was really shocked when I learned that her husband, even after his injury, was still active duty, and he was still going to formation, but he couldn't drive. I couldn't understand why he was still going to formation when he couldn't drive. 
Well, you know, some of that I don't completely understand. Those are issues within the military. It takes over a year to be officially retired. Mm -hmm. I think because he was enlisted, that Mm -hmm. was part of it. Mm -hmm. We also interviewed someone who's an officer who was not required to be at formation. And over a year after his severe injury, he finally retired. He retired just in the last month or so. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that has something to do with the rules and regulations that we as civilians really don't know that much about. It's just that it was a fact of their life and something they had to go through, and I felt that was important to their story. Mm-hmm. I know that you've shown the film at a lot of festivals. Give us a, an example of some of the reactions that you're getting. This is a really, it's not an easy film to watch sometimes. Well, we haven't screened that much. Um, Some of the festivals still haven't happened. The reactions I'm getting are kind of, at first, silence. People Mm -hmm. don't know what to say. People ask what they can do. We've tried to tell people, don't bring your little kids. It's not going to be a good thing. So I'll tell your audience, if you buy the film on iTunes or Amazon and you show it in your house, make sure the little kids aren't around because it is violent. And we do show some not horribly graphic wound care, but you see it. And probably not good for the, you know, show it after the kids have gone to bed and or watch it after the kids have gone to bed. The reaction I've seen is sort of what you said. I didn't know. It didn't occur to me. I didn't think about these really young families. You know, you see on TV or you see even in your hometown people who've been injured, who lost a limb, who have burns. You hear about people. And some who have invisible illnesses like Alan. Yeah, Mm -hmm. with the TBI and the Mm -hmm. PTSD. Mm -hmm. And, of course, we read about the horrible level of suicide and the emotional issues. It just was eye-opening. That's what I heard. That's what I've heard the most, Uh that it wasn't what they expected. Yeah, it's not an easy film. I mean, if I'm at a film festival and I have a choice between seeing something that's being released this weekend that's going to have an Oscar run and it's a big deal movie with Brian Cranston and Steve Carell and whoever else, and I'm at a film festival and I have a choice, I'm maybe going to go to that. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, but I want to make it clear to the listeners, because I don't know if you would say this, but I can say it. It it doesn't feel manipulative. It doesn't feel maudlin. It doesn't feel melodramatic. It's really balanced with experts, with footage, with some really great animation. So it's, it's hard to watch, but it's not impossible. So no, and I sh- and I probably should qualify that. Our our goal was really to just be the vehicle to tell their stories, and that's what it was. You know, I have to give a shout out to my editor Alejandro Valdez Roshan because we really wrote it together in the edit bay. Mm-hmm. You really didn't know how it was going to come together until you saw it coming together in the edit bay. And going back to something you said earlier. We had many, many, many discussions about how much we were going to put in about frustrations with the VA and how we would put that in. Mm-hmm. And the other issue was every single person who worked on this film was told, not asked, was told by me, you have to put your politics aside. If your politics are going to be involved in this, are you going to talk to me about oh, we shouldn't be in Iraq and Afghanistan, or mm-hmm. we should be there, we need to support. I cannot hear it, and you're not going to be able to work on the film, because this film is apolitical. 
we are not taking sides. This is about the caregivers. This is about their stories. Yeah, it has to be. And it's a separate conversation to talk about whether we should or shouldn't be on the war. We're paying the cost of sending them, so we should be aware of the cost on the back end. Yeah. Stephanie, yeah. Um, how can folks learn more about this film and take action? If they want to see the film, the best way is to go to iTunes or Amazon. And it was released this week. It's ready to be downloaded or purchased. You can also go to our website, which I think you're going to have the information on your website. I will. Uh, and people can go there and learn more about the families. They can see how they can host a screening in their own community. And we're encouraging people to host a screening because that will help us get the word out and really start the conversation and help more and more people understand We certainly want people to buy the film and to have it and watch it, but when you can watch it also in a community setting, I think it also has a different impact. And there's a conversation there that I, I know needs to be had. And I think it's really such a great vehicle just to start that conversation because, honestly, I think a lot of people just don't know how to have that conversation. And it's okay. There's no judgment there. No, there isn't. We've shown up places and... I've opened it up to Q&A, and basically there are no questions. It's mostly people standing up and giving their opinion. There are many opinions, but we're talking about the issues, and that's great. Yeah, that's great. Well, I want to give you the opportunity to offer any last thoughts before we close. I guess the main thing, to repeat what you and I have been saying, and this is what you do. You provide a vehicle. You open up a conversation. You want to get more people interested and to be aware of the issues of caregiving. Well, I'm with this film, I'm doing the same thing. And maybe it's a a different population of caregivers. But my main goal is to let our civilian audience know that these people exist and they need our respect and our recognition. And along with that, maybe help out, either as a community or individuals. But also, as I keep thinking about it, the broader message is, hey, look, there are some really inspiring and courageous women in this film. Look at how brave these women are. Well, I'm going to take some of that, and I'm going to think about that, and I'm going to use that in my own life, whether it be consciously or subconsciously. That's fine, but take a piece of that when you walk out of seeing the movie. We've been talking with Stephanie Selden Howard. She's the executive producer, director, and writer of The Weight of Honor, a new documentary film about military family caregivers and their catastrophically wounded veterans. We'll have a link on the AgeWise website to The Weight of Honor website where you can learn more about the film and take action. Stephanie, thank you so much for your time, and thank you for making this incredibly powerful film, which I encourage everyone to find a way to see. Thanks, Stephanie. Thank you, Jana. Thanks for having me on your podcast. I really appreciate it. Next week on the AgeWise podcast. I'm interested in the big questions that Alzheimer's asks of us. What is it going to mean for generation after generation of young kids to grow up with grandparents who they only knew as people who had Alzheimer's or, or mm-hmm. other forms of dementia? Yeah. Okay. How do we teach those children to communicate with them? to respect their humanity, even as they are ill. I mean, there are these big questions that are going to change not just the economics and the health system, 
but the culture. That's best-selling author Marita Golden. We're going to be talking about her fifth and latest novel, The Wide Circumference of Love, in which the real-world impact of Alzheimer's disease on the African-American community is woven into a fictionalized story. Besides talking about her novel and why she wrote it, Marita's going to share some alarming facts uncovered during her research for the book. That's next Thursday on the AgeWise podcast. Thanks for listening to today's show. The AgeWise podcast is produced and mixed by me, and it's distributed on the nationally syndicated Speak Up Talk radio network. I'm Jana Panaritis. See you next time. And remember, every caregiver has a story. I want to hear yours.